I've been thinking a lot about prayer lately. Um, not just thinking about it. I've been, I've been, I, I've been praying, you know, about spe- some specific things and learning. Uh, learning more uh, about prayer even. I, I always try to refine my thoughts to bring them more in line with what God's Word says. More in line with His Word. Uh, it's a challenge for us because we go, to, we go to the Bible and we read the Bible and we already have these thoughts in our mind. We already have some conclusions in our mind. And one of the challenges for us is to go to the Word of God and then if we find something that uh, is that, that challenges some of those conclusions, then we need to refine ourselves. We need to, we need to refine uh, you know, ourselves according to what God says, according to His Word, according to His truth and the reality of what it means to have this life with Him. We need to get beyond the Word of God. Now, when I say that, by that, I do not mean replacing the Word of God. Don't, don't get that idea in your head at all. When I say, you know, that we need to get beyond, uh, you know, beyond the Word of God, I don't mean replacing the Bible. That's not what I mean. What I mean, you know, I, I don't mean we add to the Bible. What I mean is that um, we, we learn the Word of God and then we apply the Word of God. It's getting beyond hearing. You know, we, we learn the most uh, about God in His Word, but only to have it in our head isn't isn't what the, a relationship with God is about. It's about getting it into your life. We need to take our faith beyond simply knowing the Word of God and uh, getting it, you know, getting getting the uh, the, the guidance. So let the, let God's Word guide us into the transformation of life. You know, and that's what it is. It's that living. As we begin to bring it into our living, we grow. We're pulled deeper into an awesome relationship with God. Uh, you know, if you don't think your relationship with God is awesome, then you need to you need to get pulled deeper into that. Uh, let's pray, and then I will share with you uh, some of what God has been um, clarifying, dealing with me on. Father, thank you for your word to us. I thank you for the way in which you have and continue to use it in my life. I ask that you would. Uh, teach us now from your word. We've heard uh, passages read already this morning. Uh, continue that as we look into your word. Continue to teach us. Continue to help us to see you. Uh, so you know the needs of each and every heart here so much better than I ever could, Father. Uh, you even know the needs of my heart better than I do. So continue to teach us. Continue to touch us and uh, transform us by your grace, power, and mercy, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 18. It's on page 13 in the Pew Bible. So if you want to turn there, Genesis chapter 18. Um, you know, we can pray about anything, really. We can pray about anything, and we can pray, uh, you know, at, at any time. I think you'll see this not only from this passage, but uh, I'm planning on doing this for a couple more weeks. Uh, and I think you'll see from these passages, you know, that we can pray about anything at any time, and some of it. You know, you, uh, well, you know what we pray about. God encourages us to pray. He encourages us to encourages us to bring our request to Him. Jeremiah chapter twenty nine, verse twelve says, uh, "You will call to me and come and pray to me. Come and pray to me," He says, "and I will listen to you." Ephesians chapter six, verse eighteen: Pray at all times, not just once in a while. Pray at all times in the Spirit, with every prayer and request. Stay alert. In this, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, familiar one to many. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition. You know, through prayer and petition, making those sincere things. With thanksgiving, 
Let your requests be made known to God. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourself to prayer. What are you devoted to? Is prayer one of those things that would hit your list? If you listed out things you were devoted to, would prayer be one of those things? And it says, stay alert in it with thanksgiving. 1 Timothy chapter 2. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. What a great outline to pray. You want to know what to, I don't, I don't know what to pray about. Well, pray yourself through that, you know, petitions. What is it you wanting from God? Prayers, you know, those intercessions, you know, for other people. Thanksgiving, great things. And a great summary in, in 1 Thessalonians, pray constantly. You know, pray constantly. We make prayer complicated. You know, we, we really do. We, we make prayer complicated. Uh, you know, but a very basic definition of prayer is simply talking with God. You know, talking with God. Now, please notice this is talking with God. A conversation. It's not, it, it's not, you know, it's not a monologue where just we're speaking. You know, we have our heart open. We have, you know, and he answers. He answers us sometimes by that internal witness of the Spirit. He answers us through his word. He answers us, you know, through other people. Uh, but, you know, he always confirms that, you know, with his word and, and with the Spirit within us. You know, it's not a monologue and it's not a directive where we tell God, God, this is what you need to do. This is what you should do. In case you weren't watching, God, this is what's happening in my life and this is how I want you to fix it. That's, that's not what it is at all. It's talking as well as listening. That's what a conversation is. You know, talking as well as listening. And it's honestly expressing our thoughts to God. Honestly expressing our heart to God. That's what's going on here in Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18. Um, just a, a great passage. Uh, it, it came to mind once again, actually, when uh, I was in Sunday school class with Dean last week. Um, as we were, as, as he was teaching us, just, you know, three different passages came to mind. I'm going to do this one this week, one next week, and one the week after. But, you know, Genesis 18 here, follow along. Verse 1, it says, Then the Lord appeared to Abraham at the Oaks of Mamre while he was still sitting in the entrance of the tent during the heat of the day. Boy, we can identify with that one, can't we? During the heat of the day. He looked up. And he saw three men standing near him. When he saw them, he ran from the entrance of the tent to meet them and bowed down to the ground. Then he said, My Lord, if I have found favor in your sight, please do not go on past your servant. Let a little water be brought that you may wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. I will bring a bit of bread so that you may strengthen yourselves. This is why you have passed your servant's way. Later, you can continue on. Yes, they replied, do as you have said. So Abraham hurried into the tent and said to Sarah, Quick! <laughs> I like the way he lays this on here. Quick! Uh, knead three measures of fine flour and make bread. Because he had nothing else to do today. Well, that wasn't there. Uh, seven. Meanwhile, Abraham ran to the herd and got a tender choice calf. He gave it to a young man who hurried to prepare it. Then Abraham took curds and milk, which sounds totally disgusting to me. Took curds and milk. I'm just picturing, we had curds come out of the, out of the, out of the thing. It, was, it was bad. Uh, curds and milk and the calf that he had prepared and set them before the men. He served them as they ate under the tree. Here's what I see in these, these, these first uh, eight verses or so. Um, we need to overcome the inconvenience of spending time with God. 
We need to overcome the inconvenience of spending time with God. Yes, sometimes it's work. You know, sometimes it is work. Sometimes we're too tired. Sometimes we're too busy. Sometimes we're too preoccupied. And if we really are honest, which we should be, sometimes we're just too lazy. You know, and we need to, we need to overcome the inconvenience of spending time with God. Admit it. Admit that you need to do that. And then take action to overcome it. You know, take that action to overcome it. It is more than saying we want to spend time praying. It is also taking action to actually spend time talking with God. You know, expand when and where you pray. It doesn't have to just be, you know, you know, wherever it is that you are most comfortable praying. It doesn't only have to be there. It can be while you're driving. Yeah, you can still pray with your eyes open. Just a thought for you here. You know, and sometimes, you know, we'd be better off praying while we're driving than getting aggravated while we're driving. Uh, it can be, you know, one of the things I, I remember with my sister, she was uh, raising her kids. And they had a, you know, they had a van, five kids. You know, all right. And whenever, and she still does this, whenever she saw or heard an ambulance, she said, oh, we have to pray for those people. She didn't know even know who they are. But for her, that was a prayer prompt. And she would lead her kids, you know, in, in the van in praying for people she didn't even know. Uh, and this is something she still does. And, you know, something her some of some of her kids do that same thing. Expand when you pray, expand where you pray. You know, those, those opportunities, you know, they're there. We, just, we, we, need to, we need to do something. We need to take action. Abraham, we're told, was sitting at the entrance to his tent, and he saw three men nearby. He gets up, and he engages them in conversation. Now, at that point, you know, what, what he's doing here is really he overcame all of those excuses of too tired, too busy, too preoccupied, too lazy. He, he put over, he went up, and he, he got up, and he went out to meet these men. Now, as it started... He didn't realize when he got up to go to talk to these men, he didn't realize that he would be talking to the Lord. All he was doing, really, as it starts out, he's simply, you know, responding to the, you know, to the, to the presence of the men here. And it was in responding to them that he began to realize he was speaking to the Lord. By verse 3, it seems that he knows these were no ordinary guests. But he didn't know it sitting at, sitting at the entrance to the tent. He knew it when he got up and he went over and he began to talk to them. Now, th- what, you, what we have here pictured is a theophany. A theophany is a time when the pre-incarnate Christ comes, you know, takes takes on flesh when I say pre-incarnate, you know, is, is before the, before the birth where he took on flesh. And here's one of the pictures where he took on flesh before that it came in human form and appeared to men for a specific reason. For you, you'll see this other places in Scripture, but this is one of those where he, where he comes for that. Uh, this begins really as simply a typical mid-eastern extension of hospitality to traveling strangers. They would care for each other. They would take care of each other, and this is what was happening here. Now it doesn't mean that they were always thrilled about it and it doesn't mean that sometimes they didn't see the people and turn and look the other way and go into their tent Uh, but what it means here is he got up and he was expressing and extending just common hospitality to him but notice it's at a great inconvenience to him to connect with all these guys you know there had to be the uh, there was an inconvenience he gets up out of the cool of the shade of his tent you know, out of his tent entrance, and he hurries to connect with these men. 
you know, he goes out into that heat to connect with these guys. He says it brings water. He brings water so they could wash their feet. A common thing for them. You know, we think, well, it's a little weird. Well, it's weird for us, but not for them. You see, he was extending to them hospitality. He was telling them, you are welcome here is what he was doing. He has Sarah make bread from scratch. Not exactly a quick process. You know, I like a hurry. How do you, how do you hurry? How do you hurry the process of of making bread uh, you know he slaughters a young calf and butchers it so that it you know that it could be cooked to eat again not a quick process uh, when when we were in florida a couple weeks ago um michael my son-in-law michael and and max my grandson they went out a wild boar hunting on friday morning and they got they each got one they got two they shot two wild boar and uh, the guy who took him on this hunt um he he prepared it for him this way. He quartered it. <laughs> he gutted it, quartered it, and packed it in ice, you know, in the cooler that Michael had to bring. So then when Michael got back uh, to the house that we were renting there, he had to cut it up, you know, into usable things. This isn't a quick process. Here, you know, he's, he's slaughtering this young calf. He butchers it, you know, so they can cook it and eat it. You know, then they had to cook it and, and, and eat it. And then he serves them. This is no fast food meal. You know, this isn't McDonald's. I was trying to think of a Jewish name for mcdonald's and i couldn't and maybe it's probably a good thing uh that he couldn't but uh you know the, you know this isn't a this isn't a quick you know this is this isn't uh you know mick abraham or anything anyway um we need to overcome the inconvenience of spending time with god we really do we need to overcome that inconvenience of spending time with god pick up with me again verse nine verse nine where is your wife sarah they asked him there in the tent, he answered, cleaning up all the dishes that we had to make. Uh, verse 10, the Lord said, I will certainly come back to you in about a year's time and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Now, Sarah was listening at the entrance of the tent behind him. Abraham and Sarah were old and getting on in years. Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. So she laughed to herself after I have become shriveled up and my Lord is old. Well, I have this delight. But the Lord asked Abraham, why did Sarah laugh, saying, can I really have a baby when I'm old? Is anything impossible for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will come back to you. In about a year, she will have a son. Sarah denied it. I did not laugh, she said, because she was afraid. Uh, but he replied, no, you did laugh. Now, we're going to pause there. Now, there's a lot of other things, you know, a, a lot of other points and thoughts on prayer that you could add here. I didn't pick up every little thing because, by golly, you know, I knew we were going to be running out of time. So if you have other thoughts, you know, you feel free to write them down. Uh, but to help us understand this interaction here, we really need to back up 25 years. You know, that's in chapter 12. In chapter 12, Abraham and God are speaking with each other. Abraham's praying once again. He's speaking with God. And this is part of the conversation. Verse, uh, verse 2 of chapter 12. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and I will make your name great. You will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who treat you with contempt. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now God makes this promise to Abraham that God would make him into a great nation, a blessing to all the people on earth. At this point, it was a promise made to a 75-year-old man who had no children. God made this promise to a 75-year-old man who at this time here in chapter 12 had no children. 
you know, some years later, Abraham thought that this promise would not be fulfilled. He thought, you know, that it was really getting to be too late. And he brought these concerns to God. Once again, prayer, another conversation with God. And Abraham said that his servant would inherit all that he had, which was the custom in those days. That would have been the custom. He didn't have any children then, you know, number one son. Uh, you know, the servant would be, would be the one. And God's reply in Genesis chapter 15, God says, you know, he, that's God, took him, Abraham, outside and said, look at the sky and count the stars. If you're able to count them, he said to him, your offspring will be that numerous. But still nothing yet happened then. He gets this promise once again, you know, and, and nothing yet happens. Abraham and Sarah had no children yet. Abraham and Sarah's solution was for Sarah to give her servant to Abraham to con- conceive a child for them. Again, something that w- would have been, you know, not unknown for them. I-, I don't know that we could say common because it wouldn't have been common, uh, but it was not unheard of. Um, it's, it's, it's just a messed up plan. Uh, but Sarah's servant Hagar had a son, Ishmael, uh, and Abraham asked God to fulfill his promise through Ishmael. Uh, And God was not going to do that. In chapter 17, it says, God said to Abraham, as for your wife, Sarah, do not call her Sarah, for Sarah will be her name. I will bless her indeed. I will give you a son by her. I will bless her and she will produce nations, kings, people will come from her. Abraham fell face down. Then he laughed and said to himself, can a child be born to a hundred-year-old man? So here we are, twenty. You know, here we are, twenty-five years after that first uh, announcement to him. It says, "Can Sarah, a ninety-year-old woman, give birth?" Twenty-five years past that initial promise, Sarah is past childbearing ability. Uh, verse, what we saw in verse eleven of chapter eighteen, there, you know, it's worded politely in most modern translations. The Holman Christian Standard here, uh, and the New American Standard, the NIV, all pretty much the same. They say that she was past the eye, the age of childbearing. It's kind of a polite way to put it. The English Standard Version and King James get a little more direct. It says the way of women had ceased to be with Sarah. Uh, the Septuagint, which is uh, an early Greek manuscript of the Hebrew Old Testament that puts it more directly, it says menstruation had ceased for Sarah. You see, she, she wasn't even able to, physically able to, to be uh, pregnant anymore. God had waited over 25 years, and now Abraham felt that he knew it was too late. God had waited too long. That was Abraham's thought. That was Sarah's thought. God had waited too long. And here in chapter 18, God again tells them, I will certainly come back to you in about a year. I've got to wait another stinking year. I, I will come back to you in about a year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. I know people who have struggled to get pregnant, and man, I'm telling you, it, my heart breaks. My heart breaks. Here they are, 25 years, over 25 years waiting, trying. Got to the point where they thought it was too late. And God says, you're still going to, one more year, one more year. Remember, God's timing may be very different than our impatience. God's timing may be very different than our impatience. Our impatience wants things now. 
our impatience wants things immediately. We want, we, you know, hurry this stuff up. Hurry this along, you know, and God's timing is much different than our impatience and his timing is always perfect. Another thought for you uh, from here, God's not stopped by human limitations. You know, God is not stopped by human limitations. You know, and perhaps we don't pray about some of these things, you know, because we think they're a done deal for many reasons. Um, I, I, every time I read this, chapter I, th- I think of uh, friends of ours uh, Bill and Renette Armstrong Bill has since passed um, some of you know know them uh, Bill used to be the youth pastor here years ago when his uh, dad Frank Armstrong was the pastor and uh, they were unable to have children you know and went through tests and all this stuff and yeah you're unable to have children and so they adopted uh, they ended up adopting three children and I remember, I still remember being uh, uh, with Bill one time, and uh, they're in their 40s now, and and Renette was pregnant, you know, and it was like, you know, they were shocked, you know, thrilled, but shocked, you know, that's an understatement. Shocked is an understatement. You know, God is not stopped by human limitations. You know, sometimes when we think, well, it's it's too late, you know, and. Um, we don't pray about things anymore. We think it's a done deal. Um, God is God of the done deal. You know, uh, he really is. Mark chapter 10, Jesus said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, because all things are possible with God. Now, I don't want to mislead you, because with this you also need to remember that God's will is much better than our ideas. Okay, you might be praying about something, you know, you might be praying about some of the ideas you have and some of the thoughts you have and some of the dreams you have. Just remember, God's will is much better than our ideas. Not always easier. You know, it's not always easier. It's not even, you know, always more fun at the moment. It's not always faster. It's not always understandable to us, uh, you know, because we don't always have the right focus. We have we too often have ourselves as the focus of what we're praying. Not God's will. We have ourselves as the focus of, of what we're praying. You know, and we are the focal point. But God's will is always better. That pulls us into the final section here of chapter 18. Drop down to verse 16 with me. Genesis 18, verse 16, it says, Then the, man, the men got up from there and looked out over Sodom, and Abraham was walking with them to see them off. Then the Lord said, Should I hide what I am about to do from Abraham? Abraham is to become a great and powerful nation, and all the nations of earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him so that he will command his children and his house after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Now, Abraham's hearing this and still doesn't have any children, you see. So this is how the Lord will fulfill to Abraham what he promised him. Then the Lord said, the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah is immense and their sin is extremely serious. I will go down to see if what they have done justifies the cry that has come up to me. If not, I will find out. The men turned from there and went towards Sodom while Abraham remained standing before the Lord Abraham stepped forward and said, 
Will you really sweep away the righteous with the wicked? What if there are 50 righteous people in the city? Will you really sweep it away instead of sparing that place for the sake of 50 righteous people who are in it? You could not possibly do such a thing to kill the righteous with the wicked, treating the righteous and the wicked alike. You could not possibly do that. Won't the judge of all the earth do what is just? See, Abraham's short sight here is there are none who are righteous apart from God. Uh, Verse 26, Then the Lord said, If I find 50 righteous people in the city of Sodom, I will spare the whole place for their sake. Then Abraham answered, Since I have ventured to speak to the Lord... Even though I am dust and ashes, suppose the 50 righteous lack five. Will you destroy the whole city for lack of five? He replied, I will not destroy it if I find 45 there. Then he spoke to him again. Suppose 40 are found there. He answered, I will not do it on account of 40. And then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak further. Suppose 30 are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find 30 there. Then he said, since I have ventured to speak to the Lord, suppose 20 are found there. He replied, I will not destroy it on account of 20. Then he said, let the Lord not be angry and I will speak one more time. Suppose 10 are found there. He answered, I will not destroy it on account of 10. When the Lord had finished speaking with Abraham, he departed and Abraham returned to his place. This is quite... Quite an interaction with God. Abraham changes his request six times. Look at what he said. You know, what if there are 50? No, 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 45. Oh, make that, make that, make that 40. Or 30, 30 instead. You know, but more like 20. Well, how, how about 10? 10 would, 10 would be even better. I mean, he, he just goes right, right down through this. You know, God listens even to our ramblings. Even our ramblings, you know, he listens. Even when we don't have it all together. Even when we're not really quite sure. Even when in the midst of our prayer we're thinking, well, maybe that's not good. I should be doing something else. Uh, you know, he's, he listens to our ramblings. And sometimes we have to say something to help us think it through. I, I know that's true for me. I'm, I'm, uh, I, I too often um, speak first, think later, and that's not the best way to go about things. But, you know, when we hear it sometimes is when we think, well, wait, that's not right. You know, when we hear it, it's like we hear ourselves saying, it. you know, what a great thing that God does not make us stick to our foolish statements. What a gift that is that he doesn't make us stick to our foolish statements. Well, you said, yeah, he does. God, God, God doesn't do that. But here's what I want us to see about prayer. I think a major purpose of prayer is to help us see God's heart more clearly. Not to get what we want, but to understand what God wants. Not to hand everything to us, but so that we might, might come to grips with the reality of God and His will. Now, we often get this backwards, and we see prayer as to help us get what we want. You know, it, it, it's to help us, you know, so that God can give to us what we want. And that's how we look at it. You know, as we talk with God and work to overcome the inconvenience of spending time with Him, you know, we begin to see that His timing may, may be very different in our impatience, you know, in our answered, in our, you know, to have our, our prayer answered. You know, and we think it's impossible for us, and it may be, but it's not with God. God is not stopped by human limitations. 
And through all this, we see God's heart more clearly. But what about that verse that we all like to say, and only a few of us probably know where it comes from? Psalm 37, verse 4. Take the light in the Lord, and he will give you the, the desires of your heart. That's how it's worded in the NIV. Um, I think we look at this verse wrong too many times. Take a look at the Holman Christian Standard Translation. It says, take the light in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. And we say, well, yeah, well, that, that's it. That's what I want. Now let me ask you to change your perspective as you look at this verse. You see, our perspective is to get what we want. So we think this verse is telling us that God will give us whatever we really want. You know, that if we really want it, God will give it to us. I think we need to look at this verse not from our perspective, but from God's perspective. You see, God is interested in the transformation of our hearts and our minds. You know, he is interested in, in what we are as people. He is interested to take our heart and our mind from a worldly focus to a godly focus, to a God-honoring mindset, to a God-honoring drive. And that is accomplished, you know, our desires are more and more formed by our relationship with God. And the new desires of our heart are a product of our spending more and more time with God. New desires develop in our heart. God-given desires. As we take delight in the Lord, He transforms our heart. He gives your heart new desires. Take delight in the Lord, and He will give you your heart's desires. Your desires will no longer come from your self-centered mindset, but from Him. You will begin to take on His desires. And as we pray, we will see His heart more clearly and our heart will desire more and more to live to honor Him. A major purpose of prayer is to help us see God's heart more clearly. And part of my prayer is that we will see this to be increasingly true in our lives in the days ahead. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the prayers you have answered, which I really think is all of them. We don't like the answer, no. We don't like the answer to wait. Abraham and Sarah waited all those years for you to fulfill that promise of yours to give them a child. And what great things you brought from that. A whole nation. They prayed and thought they could come up with their own solution. And you told them no. And through their struggle, Father, I think they learned what we need to learn. 
the desires of your heart. And that you are indeed a faithful God. That you are a just and holy God. There's a lot of requests represented by the people in this room. And some of them may be thinking now that you have not been listening. Father, don't let them believe that lie. You are listening. And you listen even to our foolishness. Some may be thinking you did not give me what I wanted. Father, continue to teach us that you are God. You are not the magic genie who gives us what we want. Because some of the things I have wanted would have been very destructive to my soul, would have been very destructive to my body, would have been very destructive to my family, to my life. Thank you for not giving me those things. Give us a heart of wisdom. Give us a heart that sees you, a heart that yields to you. Give us a heart that seeks after your will that more and more we will have your desires in our heart. Thank you for your patience with us. Thank you for not destroying us because we thought foolish, sinful, evil thoughts about you. Continue to teach us. Continue to help us be your people. Continue to help us to see your desires embedded in our heart. For your glory and honor, we pray in Christ's name.